Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Break the Cycle with me, your host, Joshua Smith. I think, God, this is episode 66? My goodness, it just keeps, it keeps growing. It's been, what, four and a half months, and, and we're already at 66 episodes, man. It's insane. I don't know how I do it every, every day. Uh, but anyways, guys, we've got a great show for you today. Let's start off with some sponsors. Of course, we have Lorenzotti.coffee for all your delicious Italian coffee needs delivered directly to your door. Bring the taste of Italy home. Use BTC at checkout for a 10% discount. And my friend, my partner, uh, one of the coolest guys you know, TopLobster.com for all your graphic uh, design needs. This man hand draws all of the thumbnails for the show. He has a wonderful clothing line where you can get this great read Mises, not Mark shirt that I'm wearing tonight because fuck the communist, excuse my language. Uh, but check him out. Use BTC at checkout for a 10% discount. Uh, or you can join the Patreon subscribe star or the, the uh, YouTube channel membership to uh, get in the discord server where I think there's like 80 people in there now. And uh, he drops new designs two weeks uh, prior to going to general population at like a 30% discount for patrons. So uh, check that out. It's a great deal. Really. If you're like a smaller uh, monthly donation, you, it really pays for itself eventually. And of course, executive producers, anthemplanning.com for all your emergency and crisis planning needs. Uh, check these people out, see what they can do for your home, business, or personal life today. They're doing a wonderful job that the government has technically uh, sucked at for a long time, much more efficiently and much cheaper. Guys, uh, if you're having any audio issues or anything, let me know in the chat. I, I th everything looks good on my end, but I did see uh, Will J saying, asking if this thing was on. Uh, and as always, the Super Chats are active. If you'd like to uh, talk to our guests through the show, that's the way to do it. Um, guys, I've got a pretty awesome guest tonight. I'm really excited. He didn't big-time me. I, th I figured he might big-time me if I, I reached out to him. He's uh, pretty well-known on Twitter, but he didn't. He, uh, he responded quickly, and he's always been really, really quick to respond. Uh, he's an attorney, podcaster, obviously social commentator, uh, author, co-host of the Bob and Eric Save America show. He is Mr. Eric Matheny. How you doing, sir? I am doing really well. It's pronounced Matheny, okay. but it's the, most, it's the most common mistake and mispronunciation of the world. You have to think of like Pat Matheny, the, the famous jazz musician. Sure, sure. It's the same name, but he spells it a little bit different. So Matheny. Okay. All right. Well, I'll get it right next time. I promise. <laughs> I promise. So man, you're, uh, we were talking a little bit before the show, uh, high school football player, uh, jujitsu guy, uh, lawyer, author, podcaster. I mean, you do a lot, you do a lot, but you know, where does this story begin? I mean, you, you've, you've, like you said, you wrote this book, but then you kind of uh, segued into this, this social, com this uh, political commentary, and you're obviously uh, very patriotic uh, uh, and big on the the stop the steal stuff, and and I'm sure you were very anti lockdown, and all that stuff. But you, you had to start somewhere. So give us, give us a little story of your journey to to patriotism. Well, my journey to patriotism goes back to when I'm 17 years old. I'm a 17-year-old kid. It's 1999, 1998, 99 in California, Los Angeles, California. Really kind of um, interested in global events and what was going on in the world at the time. You know, Clinton was in charge. Uh, we had the Monica Lewinsky thing going on. So I guess that was my foray into politics. But really when it hit me personally was when my grandparents passed away. Now, my grandparents were born and raised in the Depression. They didn't have anything, but they worked hard and they died. They died three weeks apart. Uh, you know, my grandfather died of a broken heart. So his wife passed away. And they left this home that they had purchased in 1949 for $9,000 and some assets that they had. Uh, real American dream story. My grandmother was the uh, daughter of Czech immigrants. I have my Prague hat on to pay homage to that uh, ancestry. And my grandfather was, you know, he was an accident. His father was born in 1865. Uh, so they're just these hardworking American people and they pass away. And I watched my dad write a check to the IRS for $200,000 to pay the estate tax. And at that moment, I said, fuck this. 
this ain't right. And it just went from there. And I, then I was a, uh, I went to Arizona State University. I was political science. I became a lawyer, uh, went into criminal law. I was a prosecutor. I'm a criminal defense attorney now. I've been doing that since 2009. I was a prosecutor two years before that. I defend the Constitution. I believe in the Constitution. I defend the Constitution day in and day out. And uh, like you know, many people, a couple of years ago, whether you like Trump or you don't, um, he opened my eyes to a lot of things, a lot of things going on, a lot of things going on with corruption, a lot of things going on the way that the parties are not working for us. And uh, really just, you know, you made me want to speak out and uh, kind of started doing that there. But yeah, I have a, have a podcast. I, I speak my mind. I, I raise issues, raise hell and try to represent people and do the best I can. Sure. Absolutely. And you, and you, you know, absolutely named uh, Bob and Eric save America. Right. Uh, but, but here, so here's the thing. Um, I, I, I sit on the libertarian national committee, right? I'm an at large representative for the libertarian party. But but in 2016, as I'm watching the numbers uh, come down for for the election, I, I'm laughing. You know what I mean? It's hilarious to me. I'm like, this is this is the you know I knew that I was going to wake up to my. I lived in Portland, Oregon at the time. Okay, anybody who watches the news knows how Portland, Oregon is, right? I mean, you could hear the collective uh, leftist wailing. I mean, throughout the city, it was it was rough. And and then there was a a, a protest lined up every single day. I mean, at some point they knew my car, they'd start throwing eggs at me because I'm not even, I'm not even a Republican, <laughs> you know, but, uh, but I would wear Murray Rothbard shirts and leftists hate, you know, the, that an anarcho-capitalist stuff. And, um, but I appreciated the same things that you appreciated, right? Like the, the, the waking up the America, the corruption, people being red pilled on the media, being, uh, basically the enemy of the people, which is in my opinion, probably the most important thing that Trump did was he showed America how, how corrupt the media is. Um, yeah. I think a lot of people were very, very asleep, uh, during that, but you have talked a lot about this, you know, 2020. And I mean, as, as far as on your Twitter page and, um, you know, kind of this stop the steal thing a little bit, um, do you are you watching as a lawyer somebody who's involved in law? Are you watching this stuff go down like in Arizona and and uh, in Pennsylvania? Have you been watching the, you know these numbers come out about ballots and all that stuff? Yeah, I have been, but I'm also going to be the first to tell you that Donald Trump is not going to be reinstated as president because that constitutionally doesn't exist. Um, I think it's also going to last us many many years because you got to understand that just because an audit returns some discrepancies between the voter counts and what actually happened. You got to understand the Biden DOJ is coming in and they're going to call this an attack on civil rights. They just appointed a new head of the civil rights division. They didn't do that loosely. They knew what they were doing. This is going to end up in the Supreme Court. And even if we get there to the ultimate remedy in the Supreme Court, because we have a conflict between the state and federal government, we're already going to probably be into 2024, 2025. The only way Donald Trump comes back is if he runs for president in 2024 and he wins. Uh, people thinking that he's going to march back into the White House, it's going to be this magical thing. These are the same people that were telling you to trust the plan, which for the last couple of years I've been saying, don't listen to that stuff. You, you, you have to be active. The reason we're in this situation right now, and, and I lay blame at the, at the feet of the GOP. In fact, back in November, I renounced my membership of the Republican Party. I'm a non-party affiliate. I am technically politically homeless right now. But I'll tell you that the reason we're in this situation right now is because this time last year, Republicans were not doing their job. They were not in the courts getting injunctions, stopping states from circumventing their own election laws in lieu of a pandemic. Show me any state or federal 
Constitution and show me where it says void in the event of a virus. It doesn't exist. So all this after the fact bitching and hearing what's her name, McDaniel Romney, and hearing all these people coming out and saying, oh, well, this is what we got to do. Or, or the guy in Georgia, the secretary of state of Georgia, too little, too late, man. We should have been doing this a year ago. I think if there's one thing we gain from this is we see the writing on the wall. We see that elections can be stolen. Our system is vulnerable. And, and it really comes down to what happens at the state level. Sure. And, and so like the, one of the funniest things to me is, is uh, every election that I can remember in my lifetime. Now I joined the military under George Bush. Uh, I was in the, I was in the middle of the, the Persian Gulf on the USS constellation when George Bush declared war on, on Iraq. So I was there for six months. Um, every, uh, every four years there's, there's accusations of voter fraud. I mean, every four years, it's, it doesn't matter if it's Republican or Democrat or anything. It's, it's always happened my entire life. Now, all of a sudden, the Democrats are like, oh, no, this was the cleanest election that's ever been hailed. There's, there, you know, there's, there's absolutely zero voter fraud. Think, you know, anytime that a, a, a Republican president has been voted in, there's been tons of voter fraud, you know, George Bush and, and then Trump. And um, I mean, do you, think, do you think that going forward, Republicans will be more awake to this stuff? I don't know what the Republicans are going to do. Um, I think that there needs to be kind of a wholesale occupation of the party. I think the current party leadership is no longer fit for purpose. I think Kevin McCarthy, Mitch McConnell, uh, our RNC leadership needs to go. We need to gut that thing from the top down. Now, in the beginning, I was a little bit on, on the side of, well, let's start a Patriot Party or a third party. But it was actually John Cardillo who convinced me, no, that's the wrong way to go. We have the infrastructure of the Republican National Committee. What we need to do is effectively do what the far left did to the DNC. We need to hijack it. We need to get in. We need to be a big tent party of libertarians, of America first conservatives. We need to get rid of this holier than thou crap. We saw it uh, in the last couple of weeks with a Turning Point USA, the Student Action Summit. In fact, she's going to be on my show tomorrow, Brandy Love. Brandy Love is an adult film actress. I don't care what your position on porn is, but if you're willing to stand and fight with conservatives, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. I don't care what you do for, for, for money. I don't care what you do in your spare time. We need to get rid of that. We need to be a big tent party full of anybody and everybody who wants to put the interests of this country first. Sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't disagree with you. And I, 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 you know, as, as a libertarian, obviously, and cinema who sits on the libertarian national committee, I'm not allowed to endorse candidates from the Republican party. Uh, but I do, I do put a lot of stock into what, what's called the Republican Liberty Caucus, right? Like th th the Thomas Massey's, uh, uh, DeSantis, uh, who is, Good on some, most stuff, especially. I mean, you live in Florida. We'll get. We'll talk more about DeSantis. I want to. I want to talk about DeSantis. I want to talk about Florida. Um, uh, Amash was kind of there for a while. I, I wasn't a big fan of his orange man bad. The way he went out, it was. It was. It was kind of sad. Um, and now he's a libertarian, of course. Um, uh, so, so there are some good people. Rand Paul. I'm a big fan of Rand Paul, and and obviously, Ron Paul is the one who brought me to my my ideology my whole entire world view and that was when the republican party left me was in 2008 and then 2012 when they they really i mean it was bad they were arresting ron paul delegates at some of the at some of the conventions and stuff and it was like i can't do this anymore i'm out um and uh yeah i think you know the, the last year i i'm hoping that it does red pill the shit out of some some republicans man i think that some republicans will get uh radicalized, you know, uh, Facebook's going to continue to kick us off and, and, and YouTube's going to continue to kick people off and, and Twitter's going to continue to kick people off who get radicalized and be, they deem them extremists. But we need people uh, to take over the Republican Party. I, I agree fully. Are you, are you familiar with Doe Bishop at all? No, who is that? Uh, so Doe's actually in Florida, man, and he's a, he's a Republican um, 
I want to say he's a county chair somewhere for the Republican Party, but he's uh, he's a libertarian who's actually a writer and an editor for the Mises Institute, which is this, uh, you know, if you're familiar with the Mises Institute, they they are Austrian economics uh, uh, think tank and, and institute who, which Austrian economics is basically like re- removing government out of every part of your life that you can economically. Um, and so he's actually working to do that in Florida right now, which you're talking about kind of uh, overhauling the Republican party, uh, trying to get people elected that are, are pro freedom, pro Liberty. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I feel like Florida, could be a beacon for exactly what you're talking about. It's a really great place. You know, DeSantis was pretty good on the lockdowns. He's been pretty good on the vaccines. He's been pretty good on a lot of stuff. Uh, maybe maybe he's not pro, pro-dope, pro right? He's not pro-weed, but um, he's really good on a lot of stuff that affect, you know, a million people. So uh, what's it been like for you in Florida um, <clears throat> like, during all this, man? Well, you know, when this first hit, you know, we didn't know what to expect. So we did go into... I, I don't want to say a lockdown. It was more of a, it was a quasi lockdown. I mean, look, as an attorney, the courts closed down. I mean, we did Zoom court for a year and a half. We're still kind of doing hybrid. We just started coming back a couple of weeks ago. But by May of 2020, we were reopened. We were going back to restaurants. We were going back out in public. Um, I was going back to my gym. In fact, back in May without masks on, they were allowing us back. Now they made us wear the mask for a little while after that because that was done county by county. We have 67 counties in the state of Florida. And uh, Ron DeSantis said, I'm going to leave it up to each county so I can go across the state, go visit my in-laws over in Lee County and Fort Myers and walk into a you know coffee shop and not have a mask on. But in Broward, you may have to. And they just lifted it and pretty much county to county where now it's the honor system if you've been vaccinated. But no one's ever asked you. I haven't worn a mask. I was talking to my wife the other day. I haven't worn a mask in like over a month now. We, we've had... Um, we're very lucky to have the governor that we we do. And if there's one thing that this experience has has led us to the realization of is it matters who your governor is. In fact, it matters more who your governor is, who your local officials are, than your president, even if I don't care if it's Biden or Trump. The person in the White House does not have the same day-to-day impact on your life as the person in your governor's mansion. So who you elect as governor, I tell you, and we were just a couple of votes shy of electing, uh, you know, meth dick who's laying in the hotel, you know, in a puddle of his own vomit who would have had us locked down until 2025. And unfortunately, if you're in Michigan, if you're in California, if you're in New York, you're going through that right now. And uh, look, the powers that be have figured out the the power of fear. I mean, they say that sex sells. No, man, it's no match for fear. Oh, sure. Absolutely. The, the, the fear has been amazing to watch. I, I, I So I lived in California until March of last year. Actually, I have told this story on the show a bunch of times. I actually hopped on an airplane at 1155 uh, PM, my flight left to go to Iowa at midnight. They started the 24 hour lockdown. So this was like March, I think it was March 17th or 16th or something like that. Um, and I came to Iowa where they had a quasi lockdown for two and a half weeks. Uh, they never really enforced the mass mandate. None of the grocery stores. The only time that, uh, I ever got called out for a mask was I, I, wa- I tried to walk into a target and targets like, here's your mask. And I'm like, I, I'm, I don't need that. That's all right. And they're like, uh, no, you have to wear it in here. I was like, all right, I'll go to Walmart. You know, so I went to Walmart and they didn't ask me for my mask. And, um, right. and then our governor actually made the mask mandate illegal. So now no mm-hmm. businesses can require a mask. And it was funny because, you know, for a long time, my family, you know, we have, I have seven kids and, and a fiance and stuff. We, it's a big family. And, uh, for a long time, we were the only family at the, at the grocery store that didn't have a mask on. 
you know, mm-hmm. um, now that the mask mandate is illegal and everyone's kind of like, oh, there's like, we had 33 new cases of COVID last week. Like, what? Who get, you know what I mean? Uh, now you go to the grocery store and there's only one family with masks on. It's it's pretty it's pretty wild. And I've been very lucky to be in Iowa where it's it really hasn't affected us. We've been able to work the whole time. Um, you know, we've been able to do all, all the normal things we would do. We kept going to the, the the water park and all. I mean, everything. It never stopped. Um, so do you, DeSantis? Okay, he's been pretty good on this stuff, but. He did have a lockdown for a while, right? I mean, that was he, he did he did have a lockdown for a little while. I I understand we were all trying to figure it out. The learning curve on on a pandemic is straight up. And we were trying to figure out what to do. We were trusting the CDC. We were listening to Fauci. And I think very early on, we figured out this guy's a snake oil salesman. We figured out this was made in the lab. We figured out this is a Chinese biological weapon. And by and large, 99.7% of people who get this are going to be fine. Once we figured that out, and the fact that they're trying to suppress hydroxychloroquine, which we know now could have saved hundreds of thousands of lives, we all in Florida figured that out quickly. And DeSantis was on the ball on that. And immediately, probably after about six weeks, he's like, okay, that's enough. And he saw the devastating effect this was having on the economy. Now, if there's one thing, and I know being a libertarian, you know, you believe in uh, self-reliance, but there's one thing that I think we learned is how uh, this country lacks that self-reliance. The fact that, you know, being out of work or having your hours cut for just a couple of weeks rendered some people completely out of money. True. So I think you know, we need to do a better job. I want to be self-reliant. I don't want to rely on the government, but man, we need to be a, do a better job of being disciplined and being prepared. If there's one thing we learned, all those preppers that we made fun of for years and years and would make fun of on TV, man, they had the right idea. Yeah. I, it, well, I've, I've been saying this uh, quite a bit over the last year. Like, I, you know, I can't be a Republican until the Republican party wow. is a, a party that's going to you know, hold my ideals to heart. Um, but I have been, been saying, you know, I used to have this really idealistic uh, uh, mentality when it came to the Libertarian Party that was like, you know, we're going to become a fighting force in this country as a, as a political party, and we're going to start taking uh, congressional seats and, and Senate seats. And I, I, over the last year, I really came to realize that 90% of this country doesn't want them. <laughs> You know what I mean? I mean, it's probably, I'm not, I'm, I, I mean, obviously, uh, that's, that's a blown out of proportion number, but it's a lot. There's, I'd say 30% or more, uh, don't want freedom. They, they don't, you know, and, and uh, I, go, go higher, go higher. You, think go it's higher than, you know, I try, yeah. I try to, I try to, so I try to take who, who votes Democrat and green party. And then I try to always remember that 61% of the population didn't vote for a president. And at least in 2016, I don't know what the numbers were in 2020, as far as the not voters, um, probably less, but, uh, there's a lot of yeah. There's a lot of people in this country that want daddy government to do everything for them, and it's very hard to change them. So now I look at the Libertarian Party as okay, we're gonna get, um, you know, community members elected to 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 municipal boards and and stuff like that, and you know, little sheriff positions, and and we could change community. But the Libertarian Party needs to educate people on liberty and be like an educational platform. And that's kind of how I've been looking at it the last year. Uh, it used to be really into the, we're going to win congressional seats and Senate seats. And it's like, eh, I don't, I don't really think that's the way it's going to go anymore. So like I said, I'm very, very excited to have people that are uh, pro-liberty, um, it, you know, trying to reform the Republican Party because it's, you know, it got for a long time, the Republicans and the Democrats, I mean, they were finding bipartisan support on the wars, on uh, the welfare state. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff, you know, really bad. All the bad shit that we deal with, they were finding a lot of bi- bipartisan support. But um, there's some people who have really taken off from the pack over the last year. So I can't be mad at those kind of people. And DeSantis is one of those people. I don't agree with him on everything, uh, but 
you know, you can't let you can't. What is it? What is it? You can't let uh, perfect be the enemy of the good, right? Is that the that's the, the yeah? Saying? No, exactly. You know, it's like your your eighty percent friend is not your twenty percent enemy. To right. Reagan, yeah, yeah, it's like the eighty twenty rule, right? Like, yep. well, we agree on eighty percent of the things, so you're doing pretty good. Uh, but uh, I think though, though Bishop is in um, uh, Bay City, he's down there in Panama City somewhere. So, oh, that's way, 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 way up from where I am. Yeah, you're like way down, way down at the bottom, uh, way down at the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. Uh, yeah, my my one of my best friends uh, lives in the Keys, which is pretty cool. But um, very nice. He's trying to get me to go down there for whatever they do around October. It's like the festival or kind of thing i don't know yeah the carnival whatever it is they do they get they get wild down there but it's good fishing if you like to fish it's I the do. fishing capital of florida they you catch some great snook tarpon redfish it's fun down there yeah absolutely being from the you know i'm from the bay area so we grew up fishing in the delta and then out in the ocean and oh, stuff yeah. like that that's it's a big big thing but uh so so okay you've had some let's talk more about this fauci stuff that's going on okay, okay. so so the other day Rand paul he challenged Dr. Fauci. I mean, r- real hard. He said, look, this is gain-of-function work. The Wuhan lab was doing gain-of-function work. You guys were funding gain-of-function work. And, and basically, uh, Tony Fauci was like, uh, you don't know what you're talking about. You're trying to blame me for killing all these people. And I, this, is, this is out of line. And then they ended, they ended it, right? Mm-hmm. And now today, Fauci's like, well, it was a good and it was a good thing to fund this research that we were doing at the Wuhan lab. So, I mean, it's been two days, three days. And, and he's yeah. already flipped. I mean, what, what do you think's going on there? Do you think Fauci will ever see Gitmo like he deserves? Do you think Hillary's going to see Gitmo? Do you think Comey's going to see Gitmo? Do you think Hunter Biden? No. Though you got to understand the, the upper echelon uh, of our society is insulated from any kind of consequences. Tony Fauci will never be prosecuted. He will go on CNN, which he did moments after he left that that Senate chamber, and they're going to rehabilitate his image. They're going to call Rand Paul an insurrectionist, racist, Republican, whatever name they want to smear him with. But the bottom line is that everything that Rand Paul said is empirically true. Tony Fauci has been the head of the, uh, it's under the National Institute of Health, the National Association of, of uh, Allergies and Infectious Disease. The position he has that pays him $434,000 a year is the highest paid government official. He has been in this role since the AIDS crisis of the 80s. He has been in government nearly 40 years. When's the last time he treated a patient? When's the last time he actually practiced medicine? No, he's a government bureaucrat. He's an unelected bureaucrat who is dictating things that you and I have to endure on a daily basis. He is basically governing COVID policy for this country. And what people are are not acknowledging, I mean, many of us are, but enough are not, is that he funded the laboratory in Wuhan, China, that created COVID. Now, the whole bat thing was a farce, and I think that's been proven. I think most people realize this came out of a lab. What they did is they, is gain of function is they're taking animal viruses and they're making them more deadlier and transmissible to humans. And he's gone on record as saying, this is a good thing. We're studying viruses and we're going to learn about cures and how viruses evolve. And he has even gone on record saying, if a pandemic comes out of this, it would have been worth it. Well, a pandemic did come out of it because this gain-of-function research created COVID-19, which is a modification of the SARS virus. If left in nature, it would take 800 years for COVID-19 to evolve from regular SARS virus. They did it in 10, thanks to money the United States was sending this lab. So it gets out, whether it gets out accidentally, I believe it was leaked purposefully because I believe China has a lot to gain by weakening the United States and our position in oh, the yeah, world. That, that, that was going to be my next question to you. Is yeah. That, yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
and and Fauci Fauci was the guy signing the checks. So did he create the firestorm? Yeah, he's the arsonist. He's sitting there with the gasoline can and he's going like, "What? Well, you don't know what you're talking about." He did. Yeah. He, he he is responsible for this. He, he resents that though. He resents that. You know, he doesn't he doesn't want to hear well, that crap. Because they deify him and he goes on TV and he makes these horrible statements like, "Well, if you're anti-science, then you if you don't believe me, then you're anti-science. I remember when the Beatles got in trouble for saying they were bigger than Jesus. That's kind of a bigger than Jesus comment. If you question me, you question science. First and foremost, what the hell is science? Who's First of all, trust science, but who's funding the science? That's the whole thing people don't realize is that science comes from grants. There was a time when you could buy heroin over the counter. There was a time when women were told smoke 60 cigarettes a day because they're good for expectant mothers. And that was science of its day. And that was because you had forces up above, you know, big pharma, big corporations who were pushing this science and paying to have scientists say those things. Well, the same is true now. So trust science, but insofar as you know who's paying for that scientific research to be done. Yeah, absolutely. It, 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 and this is something that's always really bugged me about Fauci and, and something that some nobody ever talks about, um, except for, I mean, some people on the right talk about it. Uh, he was at the head of the the AIDS epidemic task force, mm -hmm. right? He was the one pushing AZT to, to HIV and AIDS patients. He's the reason that we had people literally driving down to Mexico and uh, trafficking, you know, life-saving and life-changing uh, therapeutics back to the United States because they would only approve AZT, which we know now was killing HIV patients. You know, now people get AIDS, HIV, people get HIV, they can live forever. You know, they can live their normal whole life just like Magic Johnson has for some yeah. crazy reason, right? Um, and that could have been back then too had they been getting the therapeutics they needed from Mexico. Uh, but they, then we find out Tony had a, a stake in the AZT drug uh, financially, and he's pushing that with the head of the task force for the HIV is anybody paying attention to this is anybody worried about the fact that this guy was already uh, on the line for killing a bunch of people during the aids pandemic uh, epidemic and now he's heading up this whole covid thing too you know no but but that goes back to what you were saying at the beginning of the show about just the lying media and, and the power of the media and one thing that the left does really well that the right has failed to do the left has done a much better job getting a foothold in culture they have a lot more tentacles they have big pharma they have corporate america they have big tech they have entertainment they have the media so they can craft narratives beautifully i mean look what they did with january 6th you're going to tell me that a broken window at the capitol is infinitely worse than seven months of looting and rioting and killing 25 people no but the media was able to frame it in that way so they can easily do that and they take a guy like fauci they deify him you know time magazine puts him on the cover sitting out by the pool or whatever that was uh, i mean they've made him into a, a cultural icon and whether you you know you abide by religious dogma or not one thing one common thread that i see i've talked about it on my show many times is that a guy like tony fauci is perfect for a nation where 50 percent of the people are anti-religious or don't practice a religion or don't believe in God. He's basically filling that God void for people that don't have God. And, and again, the left has elevated him to godlike status where you know he, he can do no wrong. And any attack on him is an attack on science. But the same people telling you to believe science believe that gender is malleable and it could be 58 different genders. It just doesn't make any sense. Like if you have your pronouns in your bio, but you tell me trust the science, question the logic of that. 
Yeah. So every day we get closer and closer to me being able to actually be an Apache helicopter. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm not if, if you identify as one, then it is. And I, I would be bigoted if I questioned it. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's wild to me, man. That I was, I, I posted a, I posted a poll on my Twitter today. What's uh, what's worse people with uh, pronouns in their bio or people with their favorite sports teams in their bio. And I got, I took a lot of heat for that, man, on both sides. I was like, it was a joke. Come on, give me a break. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, man, it's it's just the whole thing's absolutely wild to me. We got a super chat from Level Zero. Thank you for the five dollars super chat, man. I appreciate you. He says, "Who does Eric think are the potential Republican front runners for president if Trump doesn't run in 2024?" Oh, well, not front runners, plural front runner Ron DeSantis, 100. percent Over overwhelmingly, look, you're going to have Pence, you're going to have some other people that throw their name in the in the arena, but it will overwhelmingly be DeSantis. In fact, and I've said it many times, I get a lot of pushback. I would actually prefer it to be DeSantis than Trump. I thought Trump did a great job. I do think he made a lot of mistakes. I think he made a lot of hiring errors. I think he got a lot of bad advice. I think there's a lot of things, especially in the last year of his presidency, he could have done differently. And he's got a lot of baggage coming into 2024. He's also going to be 78, 79 years old. And we don't need a 78, 79-year-old guy running against a possibly 80, 81-year-old, 82-year-old Biden if he decides to stay in the race. Now, granted, Trump would beat Kamala Harris uh, unless they cheat. I mean, we sit here and pretend that elections are free and fair, but let's be honest, we can't litigate 2024 until we litigate 2020. But as far as the front runners go, uh, I hope to God it's DeSantis. If look, if it's Trump, if he's the nominee, I will put everything I have behind him. But my number one pick is Ron DeSantis. I think he's the right guy for this time. He is a better, more polished version of Donald Trump. I want to say this, and I've said it many times. Donald Trump is the foundation upon which a movement was built. He is not the pillar upon which it stands. This is bigger than one man. Trump Trump is one man. The movement he started, that lives forever. And someone younger, brighter, uh, and I think more capable at this juncture is Ron DeSantis, and he assumes the mantle, and he goes forward with that. God, do you do you really think Biden could run again? The guy can't even – I mean, he, he's like literally living off of ice cream right now because he can't – you know what I mean? It's just – I don't know how he, – he looks like weekend at Bernie's at this point, right? Like it looks like somebody's holding him up. Hi, kids. Do you like violence? Are you sick to death of pussyfooting around the truth while being constantly fed lies by news and big tech tyrants? If so, then come join me, Dan Smots, on The System Is Down, where we get weird, have fun, and dig into all the dangerous taboo topics like conspiracies, politics, religion, culture, current events, and everything your family just prays you don't bring up around the Thanksgiving dinner table. And I know that reality is scary to some people, so if you're easily offended, just ignore this and go back to making cat memes or whatever. But if you're ready to change the world for the better, come join me on The System Is Down at tsidpod.com or wherever you get podcasts. That's tsidpod.com because the system is down and truth is taking over. He, he does. It's sad to watch, um, but don't put anything past the left. You have to understand why Biden is there. Biden is not there because he's this dynamic, charismatic uh, personality. He's there because he's an empty vessel. He's in the Saul Linsky term, a useful idiot. The left saw someone they could put there uh, you know, an empty suit. And, and and look, he's not in charge. He's not running the day to day. He's he's sitting there. He's doing what he's told. And meanwhile, the far left and the globalist influences are just running roughshod over this country. So I wouldn't be surprised if they put him out there again. They stole the election in 2020. You will never convince me otherwise. Will they try to steal it in 2024? Yeah, we're on to them. I think we're going to be buckling down and we, we've kind of figured out the game plan. So we may be able to have a fair election. 
But, you know, that's where like false flags come in. That's where COVID comes in. That's where variants come in. The best thing about a variant is you could just throw it out there anytime. It's like your Hail Mary. Like, uh oh, people are getting too free. Here's the Delta variant. Here's the Kappa Lambda Nu variant. Like as long as there is fear, as long as it is palpable, you're going to have half this country. That, you know, look, if, if the CDC came out tomorrow and said, stick your thumb up your butt, you know, there'd be a run on Vaseline. I, I, people would do it. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it's it's the whole thing's just been wild to me. I personally would like to see if the Republicans are going to run a, a presidential uh, nominee. For me, it would be Thomas Massey, of course. Okay. But that's just because you know the guy probably has like a Rothbard poster up on his wall and uh, you know at at, at uh, in Congress. But let's let's talk a little bit more about January six and hope that uh, you know YouTube doesn't kick me off. Um, I like to call it what I like to call it is the uh, it was the unplanned guided tour of the the state ca- or the the capital right I mean mm-hmm. you know we we get told by people like AOC and uh, you know these these other far left people that are sitting in Congress that it was the most terrifying thing that's ever happened in, in the world and it was worse than nine eleven and I, you know I I happen to believe that um, I I was a seventeen year old kid sleeping on my my cousin's garage floor. Uh, when 9-11 happened, I woke up, I was watching on the TV, I went down and joined the military two weeks later, I took off, right? And it was terrifying. It was scary to see my, you know, my country be attacked like that. Uh, I was not at all terrified about January 6th. It wasn't something that bothered me at all. Uh, I don't see how anybody could say this was the worst thing. And then after all this, this, you know, bickering about it and these people saying it was the worst thing of their lives, they need therapy and this and that and this and that and they have PTSD from it, we start seeing video from inside. And it's people walking through, taking pictures with the Capitol Police. I mean, it was nothing. How, you know, is this, it's obviously just more media, uh, you know, tanglements. Um, But what is, what is the implications of this? You know what I mean? What do you think, what do you think is going to be the lasting effects of all that stuff? 1933 Reichstag fire. If you don't know what it is, Google it. Um, It is a moment that the far left will use to paint all conservatives with the broadest brush possible. Your opinion doesn't matter because you're an insurrectionist, racist piece of shit. We have to take your guns away because we can't arm insurrectionists. You can't do this because you're an insurrectionist. It will be, it's the absolute tool that they have for any and all situations to shut down debate, uh, to enact whatever legislation they choose. Uh, online censorship, you better believe that's going to be the impetus for it, is when we can't have these, we can't have people like you and I having free and open discussions on the internet. Someone might hear this and they might be inspired to commit violence. So we got to shut them down. We got to shut down your YouTube. We got to take you off Twitter. You understand that. What happened on January 6th is a perfect storm. Uh, You had people there. I believe the overwhelming majority of people that went there were there to peacefully protest. And when I say peacefully protest, I mean, go there, hold up signs, let their voices be heard. And yeah, maybe even occupy a public building, which is anyone who's ever studied the civil rights movement, is a staple of American protest. Might I remind you how Speaker Nancy Pelosi praised the Wisconsin Democrats in 2011 for doing it for the teachers union when they 
very famously occupied their state capital. They also did it during the Kavanaugh hearings. They went and they, they couldn't get into the Capitol, so they went over to the Senate building and they occupied it, and CNN called it stunning and brave, and this is what democracy looks like. These are also the same people that stood in front of a burning tires plus as 25 Americans were murdered, as David Dorn was shot in a pawn shop, and they told you mostly peaceful, a little bit fiery, yes, yeah, some property discussion, destruction, but this is what democracy looks like. This is People are angry, and they're speaking out. Well, people on the right were angry, too, and they were speaking out. They watched an election get stolen from them right in front of their eyes. They felt that they had been taken advantage of. They'd also been living through lockdown for the previous year. And I think tensions had come to a head. Now, at the same time, were there infiltrators there? Were there people working with the FBI? We know that for a fact now. And we also knew that the Capitol Police were understaffed. We also knew that the National Guard, were two requests for them, had been turned down by the House Speaker and by the mayor of Washington, D.C. And also those magnetic door locks were unlocked. You also see the video of Capitol Police opening the door and people walking in. So first of all, I, I was not there. Let me go on record for when I'm subpoenaed by the uh, Intelligence Committee. I'll go on record and say I wasn't there. But I know lots of people who were there in Washington, D.C., because there had been protests going on for days. They went there. They went to the Capitol. They were on the grounds of the Capitol beyond the fence line where they were permitted to be. And there was a mass of humanity, you know, 100, 150 feet deep. Now, if you're at the front and you're breaking the window, that's one thing. You shouldn't do that. You deserve to be punished for that. And I think most patriotic Americans would agree with that. If you're towards the back and you have no idea what's going on and all of a sudden you see a mass of people start moving forward and you see police standing by with an open door, you believe you're invited in. And you watch the video. These people go in, they take pictures, they walk around the rotunda and they leave. And we have 535 Americans right now being prosecuted, many of whom uh, my friend uh, Joe Biggs who's being prosecuted right now, who's sitting in jail, been sitting in jail for the last six months, 90 days of which practically in solitary confinement because he walked in for 10 minutes, used the bathroom and left. So yeah, I, I think it's, um, it, it is it is 100% a, a political football that the that the, the left has been handed. And we, we don't know how to properly message on it because this happened on the other side. A real insurrection happened last year. In summer of 2020, what you witness, a well-organized, well-funded mass rioting from coast to coast, that's, that's the textbook definition of an insurrection. And where we failed is we sat by and we let it happen. We didn't. I think Trump should have invoked the Insurrection Act. I think he should have sent the military in. He should have restored order. But what he did and what too many people did is they sat by and said, awesome, the Democrats are digging their own grave. We're going to walk into the election 2020. Let's let that happen. And look, if you're willing to burn down your country, stealing an election's a piece of cake. So come on, we have to realize the enemy we're dealing with. Sure, sure. Uh, Top Lobster, thanks for the uh, the five dollar super chat. Appreciate you. He said, "Are you worried about what's inevitably coming next?" And I think, I think we're already starting to see what's inevitably coming next. But now we're all being deemed, you know, uh, uh, extremists and and all this stuff. I mean, what what can we do to push back on this and, and combat it? And are you super worried about it? I am worried about it. I am worried about it because of what it means for hardworking Americans who have the gall to speak their minds. I think what's going to happen, and I talk to a lot of people, a lot of influencers who agree with me, they're going to they're going to dispose of the people that were actually there. And we just had one guy who pled guilty. He got eight months in jail. Um, some other guys. I don't think anyone's going to do some substantial prison time because honestly, the most serious crime that occurred that day was the murder of Ashley Babbitt. Let's be honest. Um, so you're, you're going to have some people get some jail time. I don't know if anyone's going to get actual uh, you know, over a year in prison. 
I think what happens when that's over, once they've dispensed of the people that were there, they're going to start going after the people who have podcasts, the people who have streams, the people who have large followings on social media. And they're going to look to everything that you've said, and they're going to effectively dox American citizens. You're going to have a congressional hearing. The subcommittee on January 6th is going to have a televised hearing, and they're going to be calling out people and going, well, this guy said this. They're going to be playing podcasts and playing streams and trying to link this whole conservative network of, of influencers and people who speak their minds, who honor their First Amendment rights, and they're effectively going to try to badmouth and dox them. Now, there's no criminal liability on these people, but certainly there's consequence. If you know, if you're, I was watching the impeachment hearings, and, and one of my friends uh, who organized the MAGA drag the interstate was a feature of the impeachment hearing. My other friend, Jennifer Lawrence, who they applied a blue check mark to her tweet when they manufactured it and said, look what she said. She said, you know, bring in the, the cavalry, but she said Calvary, which obviously the, the correlation to Christianity was completely misconstrued. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna dox American citizens. They're gonna turn people against those who had the gall to speak out. They were 100% right. And they've been saying it for years. Like Trump is just one guy, but once they cut the head off the snake, they're coming for everyone else. So yeah, I do have concerns that, that there's gonna be this uh, massive pushback against everybody in the conservative community. And we, we should be uh, reasonably concerned about that. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, libertarians are really, uh, we're really worried too, especially when uh, John Brennan walked out on TV and basically was like, and even the libertarians when he's talking about extremists and we're like, what the hell, what the hell did we do, man? You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but uh, what, do, what do you think we could do to push back? I mean, the left is so good at this media manipulation, right? Um, what, what can we do to, to, to fight this, man? When, we need to. When, what's the? I, I was going to say. Uh, when when do the uh, the big lawsuits come out, man? When can we start? You know, doing these, these mass lawsuits. You know what? This battle's not going to be won in the courts. This battle's going to be won in the court of public opinion. We need to be unafraid, unabashed, and just unambiguous in in where we stand politically. When I go to the store, like I love that you have your your shirt on. You have a political message. That's how I live my life. I live my life in my Trump hat. I live my life in my America first, my MAGA gear. I wear that everywhere I go. And the reason I do that is because they call us the silent majority and being silent and being a majority. Those are two things that have not worked for our favor. And it makes me upset. If we are the majority, that means the overwhelming number of people agree with us and feel the way we do. They just don't have that confidence that uh, they haven't been inspired to be who they are. And if we can go out, if I can go to the grocery store and I can wear my Trump hat, let me tell you something. Nine times out of 10, I don't get a dirty look. I get a, hey, man, I like your hat. And it inspires other people to wear that and to be unafraid. And there's something very em emboldening about it. And I just think that if we're more vocal, I think the way you push back against tyranny is you just be even louder than you were before. They want to silence us. They know they're not going to get rid of us. They just want to make us scared. They want you to go underground and be quiet and not be a political force to be reckoned with. Now is the time to be loud. Now is the time to be unabashed. Joe Biden is a national security nightmare. Joe Biden is doing terrible things. His son is corrupt. I mean, we, we know everything going on. And the more that we can be vocal about it, use our platforms to do that, the more we're going to win hearts and minds. And I think on January 6th, uh, we're playing a little bit of catch up because we're doing now what we should have been doing six months ago. The problem is after January 6th, you had Republicans who were uh, in true Republican form 
stepping over their own mothers to get six minutes on CNN to go, oh, my God, I condemn in the strongest terms what I saw. Donald Trump's terrible. Please don't hate me. Where we should have come out and said, whoa, let's put things in perspective, people. Six months ago, you were calling a burning target beautiful and bold. This is a broken window at the Capitol. This is one afternoon. There is no way, shape or form that this is even in the same ballpark to the hell you put this country through. And we should have been calling it as we were seeing it. The problem was we were sitting back and we were playing defense it's time to play offense and we need to get out in front of these things and we need to message yeah your uh your message about wearing your your political statements man i i uh that's how i felt about the mask thing you know what i mean like during mm-hmm. the whole covid it was like it was like i'd be at the grocery store and there'd be like some husband and wife and i'd no mask you know i, I just never wore one unless I, the only time i ever wore one was if we we're in a healthcare f- facility because they would not let you in if you didn't sure. wear a mask. and then uh or, oh, Costco, because we, we have seven kids. I had to go to Costco. Um, and so uh, I'd be at like the Hy-Vee or the grocery store, and there'd be like a husband at the, you know, at the the, uh, the limes or something. And he'd turn around and he'd pull his mask down. And he'd be like, what's up, man? You know, he'd give me a <laughs> smile. And, it's like, and then he'd put his mask back up. And I'm like, dude, just take it off. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it was like the more we were out and the more we saw people with their masks off, the more people didn't have their masks off. It's, it's, a, sad, it's a sad reality in this country that, that politics – is this like, it, it, and it has really become, especially since 2006, chess beating, tribalistic sport, right? And so mm-hmm. if you want to win, you have to kind of be a leader. You know what I mean? You have to start leading the movement in some way. And, uh, you know, I, I think that we have the, as conservatives and libertarians, and, you know, we're all on the right, in, in my opinion. There's a lot of people who call themselves left libertarians. I don't always agree with them on everything, but... Uh, they're good on some issues, I guess, but um, it, on the right, we have to start taking control by by leading, by by showing that we're not afraid to do these things. And I think that you know that mask issue that I just talked about is a really good example of that wearing your 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 principles and your and your whatever it is you know show that you know there's other people out there like you, and you're not you're not you don't have to be silent is a, is a really really good idea, man. I, I I appreciate that, even if you know I'm not. I wasn't a Trump supporter, but I did, like I said in the beginning, I did, I did agree. I did really like some of the things he did. Uh, I do appreciate that he didn't start any no, new wars. Uh, mm-hmm. As a guy who came to this movement as an anti-war activist, that's basically what brought me to libertarianism and stuff. Uh, I was appreciative that he didn't start any new wars. I would have liked to see him in some wars. That would have been good. That would have been nice. Uh, but so, so tell me uh, the Biden administration. Okay, this is. For anybody watching, libertarians, conservatives, uh, whatever, I, mean, I don't care what you are, watching this Biden administration is horrifying. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are doing terrible shit, uh, innumerable, uh, so much damage to this country. What do you think the lasting effects are? What do you think are going to be the worst policies that are going to stick around for a long time? Uh, and how do we start combating some of that stuff, man? Well, I think the the economic damage is going to undo a lot of what Trump was able to do. And don't sit there and tell me inflation is a good thing. Don't tell me that gas prices going up are a good thing, because at the end of the day, people vote with their wallets. And if you can't afford to get to work, that's a real problem. I mean, we're kind of back to where we were in the second half of uh, Obama's tenure, which I think was terribly divisive for this country. What scares me the most is not necessarily a lasting policy because policies will come and go and they'll change. What scares me is the cultural impact. And we have to remember in my job, my purpose on my platform is to talk about culture. Politics is a symptom of culture. The cultural impact of socialism and of what the Biden administration, Biden is the vehicle. Biden is the empty vessel. He is a nothing. He's a nobody. It's the 
it's the socialism, it's the policies and the ideology behind those policies that's being ushered in, namely the indoctrination to young people, because you and I are roughly the same age and we're going to be moving on in years. But it's the young people. It's the teenagers now, the people in college now whose minds are being formed and who are going to come into a world. We're starting to see this. We are starting to see this with the older Gen Zs, younger millennials getting out into the world and not being able to function. You know, 20 years ago, everybody gets a trophy. We can laugh about it. But yeah, one day they're going to have to work and they're going to be ex expected to, to meet requirements that that work ethic and that competition and these things that were staples for people like you and me. And I mean, we're born in the, in the early 80s. We're on the tail end of the millennial generation. But I see a generational split with people our age. I think people that are our age 38 39 40 years old we're far more successful than the people that are 29 and 30 right now we graduated we kind of started our own lives and you have a number of people a huge percentage that are in their 20s that move home and have no direction because they've never had to struggle they've, they've never developed that coping ability and the problem is the underlying premise of liberalism as it stands today is nothing is more important than the way you feel and victimhood is a virtue so if you can't find a job it's not because you're lazy or not qualified it's because you're black or you're a woman or you're one of the 57 genders you can choose from so by by looking through the world in a prism that directs with your feelings, I mean, effectively what we've done, and I think you can add a lot of external influences, social media, entertainment, things like that, just being bombarded with news at all times. We're taking like these evolutionary steps backwards that that hunter gatherer mentality is now like, you know, come and feed me. It's like we've all been made domesticated cats. So uh, that's a real problem. And what frightens me is more than the policy, because Biden will come and go, the cultural impact can, can devastate this country, uh, the likes of which we could never recover from, no matter who you elect, because you can't vote your way out of this. Sure, sure. And I've been, I've been saying that uh, for a long time. You can vote your way into socialism, but you got to shoot your way out. That's how that's how it works in every country. I mean, look what's we're going. Not, we're not advocating violence. Yeah, FBI. yeah. If you're we're watching, not I'm not advocating violence, violence uh, unless you unless it, <laughs> FBI unless you're agreeing that we live in a socialist country. Now, that's on you. Uh, that, I mean, that's what's going on with Cuba right now too, right? I mean, yeah. You know, we've watched decades of 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 you know the iron fist and and tyrannical rule and people are starving they can't buy a loaf of bread there anymore and they're you know for forever these kids who come out into the united states and and, and you know are born here and you know go to cushy colleges and have upper middle class to, to upper class parents and um and they're like you know wearing che Guevara shirts and they want to be socialists and they see these people from cuba building uh, garbage rafts to get away from their country to come over here to Florida where they become based Republicans. Apparently, I guess all the Cubans yeah. become based Republicans in, in uh, Florida, probably one of the reasons why Florida is the way it is right now. Uh, and, and they still keep pushing this, this socialism, uh, you know, this, this, this need for socialism in the United States after watching what it's done to so many uh, uh, places. And I don't, you know, I don't understand. I still, to this day, it just, it, it really, it boggles me, right? It boggles my mind. How these kids can continue to push for that, but then you see these same kids go out in the, the the job world, you know, the job market, and get a job and start paying taxes and doing all this stuff. And a lot of the times they flip, you know what I mean? And mm -hmm. you know, and I know personally probably fifty people I grew up with that were hardcore leftists or Democrats who now have you know jobs and are like, oh yeah, this is kind of bullshit. I'm getting taxed a lot of money here. What's going? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, you know, what, what kind of programs can we do to reach the, the younger generations who haven't had to struggle and, and be adults yet? 
That, that's a difficult one. I don't even know if I'm qualified to answer that because um, you can't, if you've, if you've grown up and you've had everything handed to you, you've had parents that have tried to bulldoze any obstacles out of your way. You've been told you're special and, and you're a victim and, and you've never had to cope with any losses or any hardship. And then you get to a certain age. Are you sort of irretrievably broken as a human being? I think that's what we're learning. How can you at 25, 30 years old, learn the things that you and I learned when we were four? How do you do that? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's definitely a difficult question. It's something that we're going to have to continue working on to figure out because if we don't, if we don't get to the youth, we're lost. I mean, that's how I've looked at it. I think we've, every generation has become more socialist in their thinking. Uh, call, I mean, there's, you know, we have people in the streets carrying uh, hammer and sickle flags now, uh, burning down, you know, businesses and, and attacking people in the streets because they want communism. And uh, it's gotten worse every single year I've been alive. It used to be uh, not like that at all when we were kids. And it's gotten much, much worse. So I think that's the million dollar question. How do we reach the youth? How do we get them to understand that, uh, you know, this tyranny that they're pushing for will only hurt their grandkids? Uh, and I think that's I think that that's uh, that's got to be the next step for all conservatives and libertarians, for sure, man. Well, let me push it back on you this way. You say reach the youth. Well, you and I aren't that old and we got a lot of life left in us and we got good medicine and good genes. And we're probably going to live to be 110. I think that just puts more pressure on people our age that we're just going to have to work that much harder and we're going to have to stay in the workforce that much longer to make up for all these young shitheads that uh, can't, can't get themselves out of bed to go do an honest day's work. I think you and I might have to work till we're in our 90s to make up for the lack of uh, taxable income these guys are bringing in because they don't want to get jobs. I'll have to work till I'm in my 90s because we have so many damn kids. That's the only thing. <laughs> you know what? I, I was going to say that for, for people our age, like my dad is in his 70s and he always called me like, Eric, how's your your IRA? I'm like, dad, like you don't, you didn't have the level of debt when you were my age that we have student debt, this debt, mortgage debt, car payments. Yeah, we're retirement, I think, unfortunately, I think is a thing in the past. I think we're probably going to work till we drop dead, unfortunately. Yeah. It's the way of the world. I, you know, this this podcast has become like a second revenue stream for my family, which is great Good for you. Uh, Good but, for you. But we're at, we're also at a point where it's like, it's like, uh, well, you know, if the podcast takes off, maybe I won't have to work till I'm, you know, forever old, but eh, you never know. It's, it's a saturated market, but I did, I did just find out that my audio version of this podcast is in the top 10% of podcasts worldwide. So that's hey, really cool. Man. Yeah. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm touched to be on it that's amazing the, 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 here, the youtube's doing good it's it's growing it's doubled uh every every week basically it's doubled for the last several weeks um which is good and it's you know i started i started the podcast in march and uh we're about to hit four thousand subscribers on the youtube but we're getting way more listens to the audio that's just a lot of people just listen to audio so um but yeah i found out i, I went and looked at the podcast uh list and found out out of like 2.5 million worldwide i was in the top 10 percent. so that's pretty cool Congratulations. That's a huge accomplishment. There's a, yeah, there's a lot of podcasters out there. A lot of people uh, look down upon it. They say, well, everyone can do it. Well, but not everyone's good at it. That's the thing. And, and differentiating between who's good at it and who's not, uh, that's the kicker right there. But I'm, I'm glad that it exists. It's the same thing with YouTube. And uh, I'm a big music buff. And I, I probably the most music I listen to are just people on YouTube finding these undiscovered artists who just have a microphone and a guitar and they're just amazing singers and songwriters. So I love the fact that there are so 
many more avenues that are made available for people who would otherwise, I mean, if it were 20 years ago, unless you're on nationally syndicated radio or television, you might as well stand on your roof. So I think that the fact that this medium exists for people who have talent and have a voice and the ability to, to broadcast, I, I think it's a great thing. And I want to see more and more people because that's how you're going to win it. You're going to win the information war by getting the information out there. Yep, absolutely. I think that, uh, you know, I had a buddy the other day talking to me. He's like, hey, man, I really wanted to start a podcast, but I feel like the market is really oversaturated. And I'm like, I'm like, nah, man, uh, you would be surprised that you it's just because in your bubble, a lot of people have podcasts. But like the mass, like majority of media out there is left wing. Like it's so much left wing media out there. We are not saturated enough. Uh, you know, maybe maybe there's a lot of conservative stuff, but especially libertarians. You know, we we all have podcasts, but it's still not nothing compared to what you know the the other parties and the other ideologies have. So uh, I keep telling people, just start podcasts if you if you think you can do it, do it. It takes a lot of work to do it right. You know, I was I was uh I watched probably a hundred hours of YouTube videos to figure out how to set up a studio correctly, how to do you know high high def uh, uh, streaming, all this. It was a lot. It took a lot of work. So. Um, but yeah, man, I, I really appreciate you coming on, Eric. We're gonna we're gonna do this uh, this exclusive stream. But why don't you tell everybody that, that is watching uh, what what you got coming up next, man? What are you doing next? Well, I really appreciate the opportunity to be here, and thank you, everybody. I have a show. We're out uh, Saturdays, 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time. We stream on Periscope, Facebook Live, YouTube, Twitch, Rumble. We're also on Patriot TV now, and then we go to all the podcast formats. Go to Apple Podcasts. Go to Google. Uh, wherever you find podcasts, you're going to find us. It's Bob and Eric Save America. My host, Bob Dunlap, and I, we've been doing this now for two years, and we've had, you name them, we've had you know, Dinesh D'Souza, George Papadopoulos, uh, Rita Cosby, just about anyone who's anyone in the conservative movement we have on all the time to Tomorrow, we have Brandy Love, who is just in the news because she was very famously kicked out of the Student Action Summit by Charlie Kirk and the uh, Turning Point USA crowd. We also have Sean Farish. If you've seen any of his TikTok videos, he is the greatest Trump impersonator in the world. It's going to be a really fun and interesting show. And for you libertarians out there, we are a conservative Trump-supporting podcast. We're going to have an adult film star, and we're probably going to lose a good portion of our audience. And uh, we're going to challenge some ideas about what it means to be a conservative. So, so tune in tomorrow. And you find me on Twitter at Eric M. Matheny. I'm also on Gab. I'm on Getter. I'm on Instagram. Same handle at Eric M. Matheny. And I hope to see you all tomorrow at 2.30 p.m. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, you you have George Papadopoulos on a lot? Is that what you said? I've had him on. I've had him on. I, I know him. He, he's a good guy. He's He's a – if you can get him on your show and he's very accessible, reach out to him. He is a great interview. Yeah, you will get one. You will sit. We I, we were on with him for like an hour forty minutes, and that's. I think we could have gone even longer. He's really good, and man, does he have a lot to say? Juanita Broderick is a great person to have on the podcast. Uh, Dinesh D'Souza is great. Uh, we've I'd had love to have Dinesh for sure. That'd be great. Dinesh, Dinesh is phenomenal. He is a scholar on socialism. You want to understand what's going on here culturally? You got to talk to Dinesh. Sure, sure, absolutely. I definitely agree. Well, Eric, I appreciate I uh, appreciate you coming on. Please uh, stick around just for about two minutes while I close out the show, and then we'll start the, uh, the members only the members only uh, stream. Thank you so much, man. My pleasure. Thank you. All right, guys. Awesome. I, I really like that guy. He's cool. I, I didn't know what to expect. I had listened to a little bit of his podcast. been following him on Twitter. Uh, he's a great follow. You guys should definitely go check him out. Uh, I want everyone to know because, you know, I had some people comment, you know, some libertarians comment about the show and uh, having Eric on saying, you know, this isn't a libertarian. Yeah, I get that. I'm not trying to pigeonhole myself. Uh, into just libertarianism. I also uh, got a rapper coming on. I do comedians. It's not 
just libertarian politics on the show. I want to have a broad swath of people. I'm trying to get Jimmy Dore on the show, base leftist Jimmy Dore, to have a conversation. So expect to always see uh, different points of view on Break the Cycle. It's not just about uh, you know libertarianism and the Libertarian Party and the Mises Caucus and all that stuff that I always talk about. Uh, I want it to be about something much bigger than that um, and, and kind of uh, how we can all work together to, to roll back the size and scope of intrusive government. And then funny stuff and musicians and all that great stuff too. So uh, just know that that's what Break the Cycle is. Hopefully you will smash that subscribe button uh, and become a subscriber to the YouTube. Help the algorithm, even if you don't watch every show. It still helps us get more eyes on it. I appreciate you guys checking our sponsors at Lorenzotti.coffee for all your delicious Italian coffee needs delivered directly to your door. Bring the taste of Italy home. Use BTC at checkout for a 10% discount. And, of course, my friend, my partner of the show, one of the greatest uh, digital artists I've ever met, toplobster.com. Check him out where you can get this great Reed Mises Not Mark shirt that I'm wearing today. Use BTC at checkout for a 10% discount or join Patreon, subscribe star, backslash, uh, break the cycle JS or become a YouTube channel member here uh, where you will get all the uh, exclusive streams if you do so, but you also get uh, two weeks early in the Discord server for new Top Lobster designs up to 30% off. Huge discounts. We're talking like really cheap, awesome t-shirts and, and hoodies and hats and all that stuff. And of course, executive producer of the show, anthemplanning.com for all your emergency and crisis planning needs. Check them out today. See what they can do for your business, home, or personal life. They're doing a wonderful job that the government has uh, technically and historically sucked at. Uh, much more cheap or much cheaper and much more efficiently guys coming up on the show next week. It's going to be, it's going to be wild. Uh, I start the week off with two really great comedians, uh, Robin Bernstein. And then, uh, of course, Chrissy Meyer. Uh, and then on, uh, Wednesday or mayor, I always say her name wrong too. I'm really bad with names. I did the same thing to, to Eric, uh, on Wednesday, I have per Island coming on. We're going to talk entrepreneurship and economics. Uh, Thursday, I have my good friend and truth sinker. Uh, also, uh, one of my fellow colleagues from the, Libertarian National Committee, Karen Ann Harlos, the lady with the pink hair. And we're going to end the week next week with on uh, Friday with uh, Jeff Dice, the president of the Mises Institute. I'm super stoked for that. If you've never heard him speak, he's a, he's a really great speaker. Plus, he used to play in hardcore bands on the East Coast back in the day, and so or in the oh no, Southern California. So we're going we're gonna to talk some hardcore music. I'm going to finally drag it out of him. But guys, I will see you on Monday. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Uh, join the channel right now if you want to check out the exclusive stream with, uh, with Eric right after this. Until, uh, until Monday. I'll, I, uh, God, did I just mess that up? I will see you Monday. Don't forget to break the cycle. to explain the lyrics of my last song may seem to contain a violent call to action in the verse of the frame but i just stand in minecraft the helicopter part was in reference to gta 5 and the things you do so any violence you commit i am not an excuse because i just stand in minecraft what chipper is my friend and he's constantly cold accusations of incitement getting totally old Make your own choices, yeah, you have control Because I just landed in Minecraft Obviously I would never advocate force Unless it's due process and a trial, of course And if you're convicted, we will make you a corpse In Minecraft, just in Minecraft There's nothing I mean, you know it Your product is cause you're close to COVID Holy shit